Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bowe begin their discussion on the First Commandment. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and today I have with me... Pastor Jason Goodham. Good to see you again, Brett. You as well. Yeah, so we are, are getting into uh, the Ten Commandments, finally. Finally. After, after all that good uh, introductory work, and uh, now we're, we're actually getting into it. Yeah, it's just like everything in Scripture. It's one thing to talk about the Ten Commandments. Right. It's another thing completely to look at them and see what they're saying to us. Mm-hmm. Right, and so... Uh, there's none other place to start than the first commandment. So I will go ahead and read that for us here. Uh, and it goes like this. What is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And so right away we hear the, the echoing, the question and answer. Yep. And uh, so let's let's start to flesh that out. Yeah, and to hit on the echoing, if you were doing catechization, Mm -hmm. if you were going through catechesis, this is how it would work. You would ask the question, what is the first commandment? The expected answer would be, you shall have no other gods. It's a set core. You identified that rightly. I really like that. Yeah, and uh, and here's that question, that kind of follow-up question that we're going to see over and over again. What does this mean? And uh, that's good. And I think that's kind of part of our Lutheran, I don't know, culture even, uh, yeah. as, as we have gotten this in the catechism, the what does this mean? Uh, sometimes I jokingly say that when I'm talking about other things, not the catechism. Um, but yeah, so he asks the what does this mean? And uh, we're getting into the heart of the first commandment. And we're really getting in the heart of all the commandments. If you notice after right. this, so the, the what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust God above all things is your first answer. From there on, the answer to every one of the other commandments mm-hmm. is we should fear and love God so that, right. or, or, or some way, shape, or form that's being communicated. And so the commandments are always prescribing faith and faith in God Mm -hmm. for a reason. Right, and it connects to what you said last time about how breaking of any of the commandments is also a breaking of the first commandment. First commandment stands over and above all other commandments because every sin is declaring that you are God instead of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like when I talk with my confirmation students and we we read a news story and, and we try to identify which commandments are broken and uh, they always say the first commandment yep. you know, without even looking at the story and they know right away that that is, is being broken. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how the Ten Commandments apply in society and it's a good exercise uh, for us to understand what they mean and how they apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the first commandment, it, it's dealing with this idea of who is our God or who is God and uh, what is our relationship with him. And Luther kind of expands on that question in his first definition uh, in the large catechism. He writes, a God means that from which we are to expect all good and in which we are to take refuge in all distress. And Mm -hmm. so it sets up the concept of deity as a higher power Mm -hmm. capable of providing and also the core of deity, and again, we, we get back to our Gnosticism episode, the core of any deity is goodness, mm-hmm. is, is 
safety, mm-hmm. is comfort in that way. And so that's how Luther is defining uh, who God is or what is a God. And so then he, he builds on that and he says, uh, so to have a God is nothing other than trusting and believing him with our hearts. And he quotes uh, at that point, he quotes Hebrews 11 verse 6, which is that great passage about faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it says here, I'm pulling it up and I'm trying to stall at the same time, but here we go. Hebrews 11.6 is talking about Enoch uh, and how he was uh, kind of taken by God uh, without having to experience death. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, yeah. for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So uh, it's so interesting. What Luther's doing here is he is simply using the name of God to teach the nature of God, which is what God has done himself. Mm-hmm. And and so part of this uh, gives us to, uh, lends itself to our explanation of what the catechism was all about, what confessions are all about. It's just the summary of scripture. Mm-hmm. And so in scripture, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, we see God telling Moses, uh, his name is I am, mm-hmm. or I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And, and what God teaches Moses and his people and all people is that the core of God's nature is that he is, that he exists. Mm-hmm. And so the co- nature of faith is to believe that God exists, that we have a God and he is a specific God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we relate to God... Um, you know, we're going to talk a little later about idolatry and idols and so on. And, you know, in our day and age, we don't necessarily have physical objects that are idols. You know, like a, maybe the closest thing we have would be like a Buddha statue. Uh, but really, the first commandment is touching on this idea of you know, whatever we're, whatever we set our heart on and whatever we trust in or whatever we put our trust in is truly uh, our God. Uh, and that is... And if that is not the God of the universe, the, like you said, the I am, uh, the the creator, um, if that is not who our God is, then we are falling, we are breaking this commandment. Yeah, and it, it, that, that notion, that kind of prideful 21st century notion that we're not uh, ridiculous superstitious pagans who worship statues as described to us in scripture, it's kind of funny because we do, when we sin, have objects that we worship. Right. We are constantly putting things yep. in the place of God. We are constantly placing our trust in God. Uh, just this week, uh, I ran into a situation where I had to dump a ton of money on a car repair. Mm-hmm. And, and it reminded me how much I myself, even as a pastor, am trusting in having a certain amount of money in a bank account for mm-hmm. my security. Right. Uh, and it, you know, naturally things start to get tight when we have unexpected purchases, mm-hmm. but it reveals to us where are we drawing comfort from? Where right. are we drawing uh, safety from? And that is the nature of idolatry. Yep. And and I don't know if this is okay in this podcast called Being Lutheran, but I I think this quote comes from Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but I don't know if it's him or some other guy. But he one of those guys, one of those Calvinistic guys said <laughs> <laughs> said something along the lines of our hearts are. Uh, idol factories, you know, constantly yeah. churning out idols. Well, we'll, we'll credit it to Calvin because I know Lutherans who will say, uh, "Well, if Lutheran, or if Luther didn't say it, he should have." In this case, if if Calvin didn't say it, he should have said it. So mm-hmm. we'll just go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So our hearts are constantly uh, churning out false idols, yep. uh, false gods. So we're we're sort of getting to the the purpose of this commandment, but uh, what is really going on here? Why 
Why do we start with this commandment? What's the purpose of it? The purpose of this commandment, as we said before, each commandment uh, both prohibits and prescribes. So we are given this commandment to identify God for us as our God. And it's to require faith and trust of our hearts in God mm-hmm. and to make sure they're rightly oriented in the right place in God mm-hmm. instead of somewhere else. Uh, you know, some quotes from Luther in the large catechism, he writes, see to it that you let me alone be your God and never seek another. Luther paraphrases the words of God mm-hmm. from the Old Testament there. Uh, whatever you lack of good things, expect it from God. Whenever you suffer fortune or misfortune and distress, crawl and cling to God for mm-hmm. refuge and do not let your heart cleave to or rest in any other yeah. than the God of Scripture, than yeah. Yahweh, the right. God who is. Yeah. You know, lately I've been reading in Ezekiel um, and just studying the Scriptures on my own. And those early chapters of Ezekiel, you see how God is, is jealous and God... Um, when he sees people bowing down to false gods and false idols, um, that that breaks breaks his heart, and uh, he he seeks after his people. And, and that's a great way of looking at it. It's, and it's you know it kind of belongs to the realm of apologetics to defending the faith, but in responding to the so you know so to speak the the coexist bumper sticker. Uh, paradigm of today that all religions are valid ways to God, uh, you really have to ponder the question if there is a God and he's responsible for doing all of this and providing us with all of this and for Mm -hmm. being God, why on earth would he share the stage with something else? Mm-hmm. Why, why would that even be a possibility? And and that's the true nature of the first commandment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so as we have the commandment laid out for us, and it's, I, I get a sense that it's even already starting to work in us as we uh, reflect and think about it. But uh, let's talk a bit here about what it is to break this commandment specifically. You know, we've talked about the what, what does it prohibit? What's the vice that's being spoken of here? Um, let's dive into that a little more. Yeah, so the first way we would go about breaking the first commandment is through materialism, uh, trusting in stuff instead of in God. And I've got a great little illustration. This happened to me, uh, I think, when I was in Bible school or shortly thereafter. I was, I was at a stoplight, stopped, and I was going straight. And so to my left was the left turn lane. And so they got the green arrow before we got the green light. And so the cars were moving through. First car had a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> and no kidding, the car right bef- behind him had a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> and, and this is you know, kind of a divine appointment sort of thing uh, that, that those two would be back to back. But this is uh, the trust in the abundance of our possessions for our security mm-hmm. and comfort. And, and Luther wrote in the large catechism, many a person thinks that he has God and everything in abundance when he has money in possessions. This is the root of mm-hmm. the prosperity gospel is breaking of the first commandment mm-hmm. and thinking that God is pleased with us if we have a lot of stuff, if we're mm-hmm. wealthy, if we have things in abundance. And right. that's just an entirely false notion. And the first commandment lays it out for us. Yeah. And, and not even prosperity gospel, but I think maybe for us living in America, we maybe lose sight of this, uh, that everything we have is from God, and uh, we tend to trust in ourselves and our jobs and our paychecks and our homes and cars and everything that we have. Um, So it's 
Yeah, not just directed at the the prosperity gospel, um, those that might fall into that, but you can be an average Joe person and still uh, break the commandment in this way um, if you have your heart set on stuff. Yeah, and, and Jesus lays it out in the Sermon on the Mount, again, which is just a great exposition on the Ten Commandments. Uh, but Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for he'll, he, will, he either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And as Jesus teaches that, we would confess you cannot serve both God and X, whatever X is, is your idol. Mm-hmm. And so um, to be sure, uh, and you were kind of leaning in that direction anyway, you can be poor yeah. and be breaking the first commandment as far as your material possessions can be because you can be so obsessed with the accumulation of wealth that you don't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you're breaking the first commandment. And then the other side of that coin is not materialism, but it's arrogance. It's trusting in mm-hmm. ourselves to provide that security. It's the, the notion of the American self-made man. Yeah, pull uh, yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, the, one of the jokes is the most quoted verse in the Bible is <laughs> God helps those who help themselves, right? You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's not in the Bible and uh, because it's idolatry. Right. Yeah, it's it's a, a looking away from God and looking to ourselves. Yep. And and then the final application that we could make in breaking the first commandment and putting it back into a religious realm, uh, the source would be the Roman Catholic veneration of the saints. And, and during Luther's time, part of the, the driving force behind the Reformation was were these Roman corruptions and, and the, this the, this whole catalog of saints. Uh, that the Roman Catholic Church has, uh, you know, they have patron saints for everything. The patron yeah. saint of toothaches was Saint Apollonia. The the patron saint for those who were afraid of fire was Saint Lawrence. The patron <laughs> saint uh, for those who were suffering from the bubonic plague was Saint Sebastian. Uh, you will recall in Luther's own biography, uh, when he became a monk, it was because he was caught in a lightning storm traveling back to school mm-hmm. uh, from home, and he cried out, Saint Anne, save right. me. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Saint Anne was the patron saint of minors. Right. Uh, Luther's dad. father was a minor. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he did that. And, and so it's putting your trust in these kind of deputy sheriffs that God has appointed over certain parts of your life instead of just in the God of the universe yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we have to step that back a bit. You know, it, it might sound at least in American parlance like kind of a weird thing. Uh, of this Roman Catholic veneration of the saints, uh, it's still present uh, and it's still there, but we would uh, point to hero worship in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, this notion where people will follow a pastor from church mm-hmm. to church, or, or especially in the American culture, celebrity pastors, mm-hmm. where you end up trusting in your spiritual leader instead of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so all of those ways are, are very dangerous. And, you know, as I think about this too, of uh, Maybe think of, of what would you what would make you most upset if it were taken away from you, and yep. th- that might be a good question to diagnose what you idolatry. Um, what is an idol to you? Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. That's a great way of looking at, it. and you've really identified the root problem here is that idolatry. You know, the first commandment is forbidding idolatry. Uh, it's expressly forbidden in Exodus tw- twenty verse four when the ten commandments are delivered mm-hmm. by God through Moses. 
Uh, you look at passages like Isaiah 44. I love that one. Uh, yeah. It's a great passage, a, a great satire, yeah. uh, a great um, sarcasm it, in that passage. It does passage. feel like a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you burn one half of the log mm-hmm. for fire and the other half you worship as the God who provided the fire, right? It's, it's that kind of stuff. But the lesson of Isaiah on idolatry is that you are what you worship. Mm-hmm. You become this foolish, deaf mute, blind person if you're trusting in something other than God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Romans, Paul writes this great exposition about sin in Romans 1 in that idolatry is simply the worship of the creation instead of the creator. Mm-hmm. And so all sin, you have this verse, Romans 1.18 says, the wrath of God is poured out on all sin. And then uh, all sin then is expanded on really through idolatry. And then he lists sins from that. But the core of all sin is idolatry because you are replacing God with something Mm -hmm. for your security, Mm -hmm. for your gratification. All right. Yeah. So we have really fleshed out what it is to what this commandment is prohibiting, uh, the vice of idolatry. And we've hit on that. And so if there's something that this commandment is telling us to not do, Uh, What is this commandment, in a sense, telling us to do? Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, we would clarify it's not simply avoiding idolatry. You know, we've kind of eliminated that by describing that all sin is idolatry. Uh, So you you can't say, well, I didn't bow down to Buddha today. Mm -hmm. I'm doing okay. Uh, This commandment is prescribing faith in God. And so this Mm -hmm. commandment is being fulfilled when we trust in God with all our heart. Mm -hmm. Now, we want to be careful. uh, on how we qualify that, because in the one sense, our sinful nature, uh, we're, we're always, our interests are always divided. Our original sin is always bending us away from God and towards sin. But we would also confess that the gift of faith comes from God himself, mm-hmm. comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So you look at a passage like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, by grace you have been saved uh, through faith. This is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one can boast. That passage is ordered so that both the grace of God and faith in God is his gift to us. Mm -hmm. And so we we cling to our faith in God, our trust in God, as a gift from God himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is excellent. And so this is a real real positive way of of clinging to uh, all that God has given us uh, by faith. And uh, so we, we praise God for all that he has done for us and, and the good gifts that he has given to us in the, in the gospel. Yeah, and, and to take how you defined idolatry with what would ever make mm-hmm. you upset if it was taken care of, mm-hmm. we turn that on its head to describe faith. Yep. Uh, you know, Luther writes in the large catechism, again, whatever you have previously sought from the saints or for whatever things you have trusted in money or anything else, expect it from God. Mm-hmm. And so where you find yourself needing security, mm-hmm. don't look at your checkbook, don't look at your, your corporate standing, don't look at your relationships, yep. look to yep. God. And, you know, you have passages like Romans 8, he who did not fail to give us his own son, how will he not continue to give us all good things? Mm -hmm. That is a first commandment promise Mm -hmm. that faith in God means that we have a God who is giving us good things, not even a God who is capable of giving us good things, but he does and is continually giving us all good things. Yeah. And that really overwhelms us with his goodness to us. We're bowled over by that. Yeah. His goodness, his grace, his mercy, uh, our relationship with God and everything we need for this material temporal life is based on the fact that he has already in Jesus Christ forgiven us the sin of idolatry. 
mm-hmm. that he has already stood in our place, took the punishment we deserve for our sins, and has forgiven us and reconciled us to him. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I think that might be a good place to end. I think that's episode. a perfect place to end. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Join us next time when Pastor Brett and Pastor Jason talk about the second commandment.